Greetings, friends and fellow Lower Deckers. We're back. There's another weird kind of two-parter. I don't know what's happening. This is Two Star Two Track. We talk about Star Trek two-parters, so we're back. Caitlin, why don't you walk us through criteria and why <laughs> well, we're I, doing this? And You know what? I, I was hesitant to acknowledge this as one of the two parters we would normally do, but because it is not typical Lower Decks to do a previously on, and this story directly related to a season finale where that character has not shown up since, um, we were we were feeling a little, little, little thirsty there for our Lower Decks crew, so we're I'm going to let it ride, and then we'll uh, see where this goes. But, you know, the, the episode, it was the season finale from... Season one, uh, no small parts, uh, directly connects to this episode, a mathematically perfect redemption, uh, season three, episode seven of Lower Decks, and it did start with a previously on that directly connected it to the episode. So we're rolling with it, and it's weird as hell. Yes, it is weird as hell. Uh, speaking of weird as hell, we have two weird as hell amazing crew members joining us tonight. We have Forrest and Stacy coming in to talk about bird people i don't know man this episode was weird stacy how are you doing this evening i'm doing well hello everyone allow us to take you on a strange journey oh gosh <laughs> a strange and horny yeah. journey so for sure horny. oh my god you've no idea <laughs> forrest how are you doing tonight i'm doing pretty good you we i knew we were into something weird when the credits just kind of flowed in this yeah, second right. episode, there the weird the the Wally credits yeah, as I like to call no, them. There was no there was no you know traditional crystalline entity fighting the Borg fighting the Packlid stuff that they've been doing. It just went, and you knew something. I knew something like different artsy fun was going to come up. I did not expect a stop at you know horny bird planet. I really, I really hoped that the whole episode was going to be, like, dialogue-free or, like, you know, her just talking to herself. Uh, go the full Wally, if you will. But um, it turned into Avatar. Yeah. <laughs> and Avatar, as we can all remember from the, the Year of Our Lord 2010, is a, is a horny movie. It is also a very horny movie. It is. And we, we actually saw Avatar, like... Two weeks ago when they re-released it in the, 3D, the 4K, 4K remaster, and, yeah. Yeah, immediately this, this episode started and it's it the wheels started moving and we were like, wait a second, like we, we just did this, like, but directed by James Cameron. <laughs> so uh the the big holdover from No Small Parts, the season one finale is the the character of Peanut Amber, uh an exocomp that shows up for her first day of training on the Cerritos. Um, Tendi's very excited to show her around the ship. Uh, chaos ensues. Packlid's attack. Uh, Rutherford's going through like different emotion settings on his implant. Long story short, in order to defeat the Packlids, they need to upload a virus to the Packlid ship. Peanut Hamper is a robot, and they're like, oh, like we don't need a shuttle. We don't need to beam you. You can just go. And she's just like, no, I joined Starfleet to piss off my dad. <laughs> and then beamed herself off the ship. And that's the last we'd seen of Peanut Hamper. And I thought we were never going to see her again. <laughs> and I, I was 
very very wrong um that that first episode what what did you what did you think just keep it brief caitlin uh you know i like that throughout the episode there's these little hints that like peanut hamper's kind of a dick knocking over the little dilithium rods or whatever and basically like there's an implication there that if peanut hamper could just steal them maybe they'd go for a lot on the black market and like you know kind of screwing around with them and you're not really sure what's happening in the background because like tendy and rutherford are having a conversation but you know that that overly cheeriness and then the turn when it's like no i'm absolutely not gonna risk my life for you you know meat bags absolutely not Mm. is pretty good you know the the needs of the many versus the needs of the fewer the one um that you know that whole thought process from that end of the episode makes it way back into this episode uh that we saw this week yeah constantly that seems to be like the the theme they're trying to hit over the head Forrest, what did you think of uh no small parts well no small parts is is a finale right it's the season finale so it obviously wraps a lot of different easter eggs and a lot of different character development all into one place uh our beloved uh shacks dies uh to be resurrected <laughs> later um uh you know it's the start of rutherford's implant saga it's you know uh the titan shows up it's a really big and heavy and fun episode but with the peanut hamper connection it really is a great way to show that they're really thinking about all of these interconnected threads and all of these different things that are going to pop in and pop out. And it makes me wonder if Badgie is going to show up again, uh, who, is an, oh who, is, who is another thread that's connected in that one. So I mean, if we can bring Moriarty back again, oh boy. you know, <laughs> a.k.a. Niles if you're nasty, mm-hmm. we can definitely bring... Badgie Badge. Who would be uh, best friends with Moriarty? Uh, I think it'd be Badgie. So yeah, I mean, that was such a great finale. No Smart Parts really put together, put like uh, a clear finishing on that awesome first season of Lower Decks to say, you know, this is more than just in jokes about Star Trek. This is, it's, this is the, its own big Star Trek series. So connecting Peanut Hamper back here is, I think, a sign that we're going to be seeing Matt throughout the rest of the season mm-hmm. i hope so too stacy any thoughts on no small parts uh, well what is there to say about the the season finale it's it's great it's it's it allows the pack leads of all people to be delightfully intimidating in a way they weren't mm-hmm. they were basically mostly a one note character like joke thing i mean they basically showed up for the samaritan snare and they basically they're referenced in brothers when lore says that you know we got on a pack led vessel and uh took care of them this this episode's great i mean i love when the titan shows up i popped like the rock charged down the the gangway in a wwe event uh <laughs> i was so stoked when the next generation theme kicked in i was like yes let's go and Peanut Hamper's introduction was kind of interesting. There were a lot of the subplots and threads that were kind of being tied up or at least hinted at in the first, this this ending season, like you said, with Rutherford's implant and whatnot. But I think that, yeah, Peanut Hamper was a breath of fresh air because the last time we'd seen the exocomps was in the quality of life in TNG. And we we'd seen that they weren't verbally communicative. They mostly communicated with data and binary, but they did have a tendency towards self-sacrifice. So the notion of an exocomp, once we see one on on screen and interacting with Tendi, and you're just like, oh, this is going to be great. And of course, Peanut Hamper, (laughs) you'll come in and save the day, right? 
and peanut ham for being like, uh, no, actually, screw that. Screw all of that. I'm out. Good luck, organics. I'll see you later. You can all die. I'm going to deuces and then just beams out. That was amazing. And then when when peanut hamper is left in space, this this notion that like lower decks has been pretty serial, pretty individually uh, individual episodes so far with some connective tissue. Um, some stuff gets picked up in later episodes, but they haven't really played with the notion of like, OK, here's where we left the character at the end of this episode or at least when we last saw them in this episode. And now in this episode, we're going to pick up with that character's point of view during the events of the previous instance and show you where that led, which is the inventive use of the opening credits there. But yeah, no small parts is fantastic. Well, and it's, it's interesting because I think Caitlin said it is, I, I thought Peanut Hamper was like, eh, it's an exocom. Cool. And then, like, that was it. Like, the book was closed. We weren't going to see it again. And now Peanut Hamper's back and, and is the star of this episode. Essentially. Much the, the only the only character in the episode that, you know, we know until she jerry-rigs a single nacelle <laughs> with hopes of it making warp. And then it does, and she she crash lands. Which on I a think planet. I think it's the nacelle that's ripped off the Cerritos in no small parts. Because the the first thing the pack lets do is get that one nacelle, and then they try uh-huh. taking uh-huh. apart the other parts. Uh-huh. Of the yeah, ship. it's the spare yep. nacelle. It was a really great. Uh, I mean, all the details were were so great from the uh, castaway reference and all um, built <laughs> in there. But yeah, I kind of want to cruise on a single nacelle warp. buoy warp (laughs) warp whatever it is like we gotta see the delta flyer you know the hot rods in the previous episode now i just want single nacelle it's all coming to pod racing i know a pod racing joke is coming (laughs) at some point a pod racing joke has got to happen oh uh, well i mean that's kind of what rutherford's hot rod was yes (laughs) it was was like an impulse engine with a seat on it (laughs) (laughs) But I think the thing that's kind of funny throughout that whole thing is that, you know, like Peanut Amber even explicitly says, like, her whole motivation for, like, getting herself out of this jam and not using a distress signal is because she's like, I'm not going to jail! (laughs) And, like, a little tiny robot in jail is very funny. (laughs) Uh, Floating robot in prison stripes. (laughs) And then she ends up on, on Arior. I mean, Boimler and, has the same amount of trouble that we do, like, areola, ari, ari. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, yeah. I, I do believe Caitlin looked at me at one point and just said, I can't believe they named the planet that. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, it's a good joke. I think it's I think it's a solid joke. And she gets rehabilitated by... So we think. Yeah, the the... <laughs> Drukmani, I or no, the no. Drukmani are the bad guys. The Ariorians, the Ariolians, uh, the Arians. Me, I don't know. Let me try to recall what they're called. The bird people. The bird people. It's a planet full of birds and other things that have bird wings. Arior. We'll yeah, Horny bird people. Horny bird people. Horny the, bird people horny sky snakes. Sky snakes. I like. Yeah. I like the sky snakes. Oh, I like the, the turtles really with cool. wings. The winged turtles were oh, also a nice. A nice touch, like everything has wings, and the yeah peanut ham peanut hamper dragon. It like it's a sky snake. Why is it called sky if it's a flying snake? Is, shouldn't it just be called snake? Every <laughs> it just be a snake. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
it was interesting and i think like i don't know i think what gave me hope so not to spoil the ending quote-unquote of the episode but like peanut hamper does end up calling the federation but like throughout her rehabilitation she's concerned with oh no did i break the prime directive like what's going on like i can't believe i'm telling you guys all of this stuff and everything like but that still through all of it she's more of the idea that like i mean i'm gonna do this like because it benefits me in this moment so like i don't really care it's really about whether or not i get caught later <laughs> and like get in even bigger trouble yeah it's definitely a, a method of uh self-preservation that's that's the the main goal i believe and what? then there's, uh, you know, the, the tribal leader, Clitoris, I mean, Cal Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> and then his son, Raw Dog, I mean, Rada. <laughs> I liked Rada. <sighs> you know that, like, the writer's room had, like, a bunch of just filthy words on the wall that they threw darts at and then made up, like, like, like right. ethnic-sounding names? <laughs> <laughs> like, they're, they're Star Trek writers, so they have to come up with all sorts of... Of, like, alien-sounding names for, like, various civilizations. <laughs> you have to figure in that writer's room there's one whiteboard that is just filled with the most profane yes. alien names and <laughs> yes. words oh, yeah. they're all trying the, to get away with. All the things that were like, we can't use that, that sounds too much like everything. And mm -hmm. they just dumped that whole list into this episode. They're like, you know oh, what? God. We need the wall space. Put them all in or leave them forever. <laughs> we're using all the horny sounding words today, you guys. And then they were like, yay! We're aiming this bad boy made, for the sun. They made the episode so <laughs> horny. And it was like a direction. And I, I, I didn't see it coming. It was just out of left field. At one point, Peanut Hamper, I guess... Is seduce the right word? Like oh, Peanut Hamper allows herself to be seduced yes. because this is all part of the long con. Yes. And oh yeah. Oh my word. Like if this <laughs> if this were your conventional Star Trek episode where, you know, two humanoid aliens with rubber foreheads were interacting in live action, this scene would have gotten more and more lascivious to the point the censors would probably have like yanked back on the leash hard. But because it's a cute because but because Peanut Hamper is a cute little R2 D2 looking droid, mm -hmm. they can keep pushing the mm -hmm. dial forward and more and more forward. And as they do that, it gets more and more uncomfortably fun. <laughs> and, well there's that uh, and the fact that it's done in animation. Oh god, yes. Yeah. And done Forest and done God. twice. Like like they don't have just one <laughs> It's like, oh, we just no. we just had bird and robots sex. Uh, let us yeah. progress the storyline and then do yeah. it again. Like they, like they, they, yeah. the Twice. censors, right? The censors or any network would be like, hey, that's a little mm -hmm. bit too much sex all at once. Uh, you're not Harry Kim here out in the Delta Quadrant. Um, <laughs> it's just immediately what I thought of, and it's like. You know, UPN would use the like if this was on UPN, like they're using those scenes. It's like next time UPN. on Lower Decks, hot right. sex, <laughs> right? And then Maybe they went wrestling, right? Yeah, later wrestling. <laughs> um, well, and like it's just, it's so horny. 
it's it's good horny though. Like yeah. I think it's I think well, it's and a good then fun. and then again, like the third time, it cuts to the hard cut of them getting married. <laughs> so like it just circles around yeah. to like escalate it. And what's like the most ridiculous thing that could happen is mm-hmm. that they would enter like a matrimonial state with each other, where like Peanut Amber I think has like a little fake she has a beak, beak on, on, on the front of the exocom. Yeah. Oh <laughs> god. It's wild. It's so wild. Yeah. I can't believe. But like that—that's the thing. Is like in in the year of our Lord, you know, everything's streaming. You can get away with this crap. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to submit it to to CBS primetime. You don't have to be like, all right, lower decks, six o'clock. Watch it with the family. Like, you don't do that. No, anymore. if you're bad parents like us, you watch it with a small child, and then you go, all right. Bird sex. All right, we're gonna. <laughs> we're just gonna blow past that and hope it we're doesn't come gonna, up. We're just gonna keep moving, you guys. <laughs> uh, no, I think honestly, our our biggest flaw the past couple weeks has been, for some reason, and I don't know why this started. Honestly, we're gonna go on a tiny little aside. When we were in the middle of that glorious like 40 plus weeks of star trek so much star trek where it went like you know like picard to discovery to strange new worlds like when we were like in that flow of things for some reason we decided thursday night would be hot wing night so we would have hot wings and watch star trek that was kind of like our thing and after last week's episode where Boimler got like stuck in the deflector, the dish. deflector dish and like spun around and I choked on my hot sauce. And then this week's episode During bird sex. with bird sex, I choked <laughs> on my hot sauce. Like, I don't think we should be eating hot wings while watching you, Star you Trek had, anymore. You had burning coming out of so many parts of you. Oh, <laughs> man. I seriously like because I... I I like shot hot sauce out of my nose, guys. Like watching this go down. Ryan was, was having a bad time. I was having it was a wild, wild time watching this episode. <laughs> but like, I don't. Is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. That well, that's, but that, I mean, this the, all the bird sex and robots sex ties into like the fact that their love is taboo because. The, the bird people have forsaken technology. Like, that's the whole thing, is that it's not a prime directive issue because, like, they had warp-capable technology. Like, right. they had all of these things. But they've chosen to go back to, like, nature, which Peanut Hamper, like, immediately exploits by trying to sell all of their relic ships on the black market. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, therefore reinforcing like all the problems they had with technology in the first place well the beauty of peanut hamper's peanut hamper's plan is that she's she's essentially being like okay i'm gonna bring the drug money in they're gonna try and steal the ships they'll have no i'll say there'll be no resistance but of course the aurora will resist and then i'll call in starfleet starfleet will bust the drug money i'll come away a hero stage four profit and then, <laughs> but because she doesn't think things through, like beaming herself out into deep space in the middle of a battle, <laughs> uh, it all just completely tumbles and crashes down around her to the point where she's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to call the Borg on you. You're all going to get assimilated. Never <laughs> <laughs> mind the well, fact and... that the Borg eat technology. <laughs> so, Well, it, it goes back to what happened in no small parts. Because it, it goes back to the, the needs of the many, you know, 
one life that that whole spiel the the, the yeah, spark that's, of that's, it all yeah i was gonna say that's a very very cool phrase that lower decks totally came up with and not any, not <laughs> no one no else. one has ever said that before ever no before. N- never in the right. canon never in the canon don't don't leave comments don't leave comments i'm unfamiliar <laughs> but yeah and it, it, it ends up in that situation again where peanut hamper is the only one who can save the day and stop them and everything like that and her motivation is is busted because she just wants to use it to to stay out of Stay in as little trouble as possible while getting maximum reward. Yeah. Which, honestly, if she had just taken the L, like, when she, you know, bailed out of doing her duty in no small parts, like, she probably would have been out of the brig by the time she decides (laughs) to, like, you know, get the trust and and love of an entire culture on a bird (laughs) planet. (laughs) Like... She ends up spending way more energy than if she had just done the right thing in the first place. Right, and yeah, and, pretty much. and that's part of the, uh, I think, the appeal of whatever character growth or the interest of whatever character growth Peanut Hamper is going through. Is like, in the, in the first episode, uh, complete, you know, self-preservation. I'm going to do the thing I'm looking at for myself, so on and so on, get you into deep space. And the second one, it's like, I'm going to manipulate this so that I can get exactly what I want and try to play every side of every, you know, try to play everyone off of each other, right? Because she's playing the scavengers and the birds and the Cerritos and, you know, I should play the Borg, I feel like, if she could. Um, <laughs> and maybe she is, but... And it's, it's just so interesting because I feel like this episode was set up as kind of the classic redemption arc, Starfleet, everyone's good <laughs> and happy in the end. And then it just, you know, and horny. But then it just kind of tumbles into, <laughs> oh, actually, everyone's being manipulated and the lesson is something different and more complex. Also, here's Jeffrey Coombs at the end. So it was a really, Yay! it was a really fun I mean, it was already weird, and then it just got weirder, but more... Because it could have just been a weird episode of Star Trek, and that would have been fine. But then it got... I really feel like all those machinations and kind of the... This is why I think there's more coming from these other threads that are dangling out there on Lower Decks. They're thinking about this, these kind of transitions in really complex ways, which is really nice. Well, and the big thing Thursday and Friday on Twitter was is this a good turn for the series there was a lot of discourse on general star trek sides of twitter talking about lower decks did a very weird experimental episode and it was good or it was bad so i'm curious where do you guys think this episode lands is is it a good episode is it too weird to be good like what? What is the barometer for good versus bad Trek? Because like I like it when Trek gets weird. I think if there's any show that has the the latitude to be able to do something like this, it's Lower Decks, and they should take that chance when they have it. I mean, it's you know for as many Discovery episodes where everyone cries and talks about their feelings, like they can't do this shit. Right. Like they can't be out here like doing a whole episode on a bird planet where like the whole main character of the episode's still kind of a dick at the end. Yeah. Like, you know, that 
they they can't they can't hang with this story it's too weird but the reality is is that like the star trek that you know everybody in on this episode you know uh of of two star two trek grew up with is kind of silly trek at times Mm. like voyager was allowed to have silly episodes Mm -hmm. tng was allowed to have some silly episodes right original series absolutely had some silly ass episodes (laughs) but like modern modern trek sometimes struggles to get as silly as lower decks is allowed to be Mm. so like it's it's definitely you know there's there's that level set and there's that balance moment where lower decks can do something absolutely wild and still try to have meaning with it Mm -hmm. yeah and i i appreciate like yeah absolutely they should take those chances right they should take those big swings stacy what do you think good bad in the middle i'm torn um i might have to give this another viewing just to really put my head on it but i did appreciate the episode for its it's having some fun, uh, definitely poking some fun at the whole uh, Avatar, stranger in a strange world, uh, cast away sort of narrative that's been with us since John Carter of Mars. But I also kind of like, part of me is like, I I appreciate the episode, but also I'm like, well, we were with Peanut Hamper, but the episode is also taking pains to keep Peanut Hamper's ultimate plan away from us as the audience as well. So if she's alone, right. she should be she should be dropping the mask and, you know, dealing with her plan. So I do feel that the episode is playing a bit of a bit of keep away. It's playing a bit fast and loose with the rules. But it's just such a surreal episode to begin with hmm. that, you know, the fact that they do like three romantic scenes between a bird and a robot <laughs> and they just keep going, <laughs> just keep making it wilder and wilder. It's, 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 it's an interesting one. This is one that I'm going to have to sit with. And the, the whole of the cliffhanger with Agamus at the end and the Daystrom Institute and the room of, of evil supercomputers that's going to come back because I'm pretty mm. sure we didn't oh, see yeah. that room in Picard. So mm-hmm. something between then right. and now is going to happen. That's going to probably clear out the contents of that room. Well, but. and I, I agree with what you're saying too, where like, you know, I wish we had sat with the the conflict of it a little more, or if, if there was even an illusion of conflict on peanut hampers part, um, you know, this could have easily, this is on streaming. This could have easily been, like an a full hour long or or mini feature length episode where we kind of let that breathe a little bit and let at least the audience forget a little more completely what led to the series of events that are currently happening before there is that turn so it's more interesting mm-hmm. yeah it's and to kind of connect a couple of threads there i think it's really interesting that cuz when we think about the other uh quote-unquote new trek series right discovery onwards discovery's had some certainly some silly moments um but they're always built within the bigger structural discovery narrative of everything is terrible and the universe is going to explode kind of thing it's like oh everything's terrible but uh you know 
Um, Saru's a human and Culber's a Bajoran, and isn't that fun for on this holodeck <laughs> ship thing? Or you know, a lot of their mirror universe stuff was was you know sinister, oh, yeah. sinister, campy. It's like oh ha ha ha, Killy uh, is gonna murder you, but isn't it funny? Uh, that kind that kind of stuff, and and that's that's fine. But it's always couched into this higher like oh no, everything's gonna blow up and we're all gonna die, but we're gonna have a little fun with it. Um, and Picard is, is very serious and, and has its, you know, little gags here and there, but is, is very much not, um, it's, it's not a place to be funny most of the time. But Lower Decks has that opposite effect where it's fun and we get a laugh and we get to make jokes and in jokes and super in jokes. But, you know, it never feels like if you don't get the third tier reference to a, a, an animated series bird species, then, you know, that's fine. That's, uh, you know, you can look it up and, and learn it. But there's these things hiding underneath, like the room full of gaming computers. I mean, megalomaniac computers that are going to take over the world. <laughs> or the packlids. Like, the packlids got so deep and weird. Or... You know, whatever's going to happen with, you know, Badgie or who's breaking Rutherford's brain. Like, all of that stuff. Like, it's, you know, the Rutherford stuff could be, like, a Deep Space Nine episode. Or the Deep Space Nine episode of Lower Decks, which was so heartfelt and structured <laughs> and and so nicely organized. So it's like, there's almost this opposite space that Lower Decks is occupying that makes it so much so different. And I think Prodigy occupies a similar space just with kids' focus instead of the Lower Decks jokes. But, I mean, Prodigy's first half season or whatever we're calling it um, also had a lot of good real Trek moments that was that was really oh, surprising absolutely. and really fun. Yeah. In, in some ways, Prodigy has a more sincere Trek-like heart about it just by the the nature of the stories they're telling and like the 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 wide-eyedness to the to the feel of exploration and the consequences of exploration right but also yes i want the rutherford thing to be about red squadron i think it's about red squadron too because even our four-year-old pointed out daddy the people messing it with his head they were all wearing red shirts, and I'm like, yes, they were. You put that together. <laughs> you were so smart, little dude. Um, it's it's interesting that both both Caitlin and Forrest, you both immediately were like, oh, let's compare it to all the other treks on 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 the weird scale. But neither of you mentioned Strange New Worlds. You know, is, it, Strange New Worlds has some exceptionally silly stuff in it, right? We did have, but a fairy like. Tale. Well, in Strange New Worlds, the thing with that is, does it does it have to do with a timeline thing? Is it is it that basic and simple? Because like Strange New Worlds, you know, Lower Decks canonically is is you know post Voyager, post DS Nine, all that stuff. Strange New Worlds takes place beforehand, but like Strange New Worlds also takes itself seriously but like not in the same way that i would say like discovery takes I, itself it's seriously. contemporaneous with like ds9 voyager and and post tng yeah so like it's it's from that era that we all grew up with that like has some silliness to it um even ds9 from time to time has some silliness to it 
Um, it's like, let's do a fun holodeck episode when there's a war going on. But they, they get there. <laughs> I mean, some of my favorite Star Trek episodes are the goofy ones, though. They, I mean... They are fun. Here's Here's my... Here's my hot take on that, because I think you made a good point that we didn't bring up Strange New Worlds. But my hot take is that Strange New Worlds is the flagship Star Trek series now. I don't think yeah. I don't think it's well, Discovery anymore. Well, Discovery is shooting its final season right now. From what I understand, this is season five is going to be its final season. Yeah, and that seems reasonable. And that that seems yeah, that seems definitely reasonable, and the universe will blow up again, and it'll all be good. But um, and I say that loving some of Discovery's. You know, see, season two of Discovery was awesome, but Anson Mount was also around. I think Strange... The season that most closely <laughs> yeah. relates mm-hmm. to Strange New yeah. World. Right, right. Season three of, of Discovery was also really mm. good because they played they played around, you know, the future stuff they established there was really well, good. That was, yeah, that yeah. was their big swing. Yeah. That was the swing they could and take that, and actually, like, they nailed and, it. And it worked, yeah. But I think Strange New Worlds is the flagship Star Trek series. And you would you yeah. would give that to you know you would give that to Discovery being the old guard, but I think that just based on the general reaction and the general you know kind of pop culture place that Strange New World stepped into, and maybe some of that mm-hmm. was the weird back to back filmings because it got to stay in our mind's eye for a while, and and certainly the COVID changes to all the production schedules didn't help anyone. But I think it really didn't help Discovery because we got that kind of weird gap, but. Yeah, I think I think Strange New Worlds is the flagship Trek series right now, and so it's not, it's it's not one of those. It's to be compared to, not to be compared against. That might not make sense, but I'm sticking by it. Well, and I'm and I'm I'm trying to think a little more about this whole topic and you know the concept of the fact that like Star Trek Strange New Worlds features all the legacy characters and the reinventions of legacy characters. So I think there's like a a glossy protective layer. We haven't taken like the film off the shiny bits of strange new worlds yet. And so we're all, we're all in a place where it's, it's so beautiful just the way it is. Yeah. All of the, all of the uh, touchscreen still have the plastic on them and uh, no one's, no one's pulled them off. It's the hair. It's a mount so hot, guys. Like, He's so pretty. I'm not. I'm not gonna beat around the bush on that one. He is a beautiful, beautiful man. So yeah, I mean this this episode of Lower Decks, though, like to to bring it back, like it, I think it's good. You know, when when you look at the whole of Lower Decks, is it my favorite episode? Probably no. Not. Am I gonna turn it off? No, because it's still Lower Decks and it's still fun. And you know, I I, I like. A mischievous little robot. Like there's, there's, you know, there's a reason R two D two works. There's a reason Peanut Hamper is is cute and cuddly, but like crazy as hell, and and you love it, you know. But Peanut Hamper, I don't even think is crazy. I think Peanut Hamper is just a dick. Like, like that's that's kind of the compelling part for me is that like it's not like someone flipped a switch on Peanut Hamper to make her crazy. It's well, like, no, I, I, she's completely self-serving. Right. She's just kind of a dick. I, I, I shouldn't she's have said She's never going to be at, like, crazy. more level crazy. Yeah. Crazy was probably the wrong word. I, I meant more... Um, but how many, like, evil Switch robots have we seen over right. the years, right? And I think that's what makes Peanut Hamper a little different, which is right. great. Right. My hope is that um, Peanut Hamper not only returns, but becomes the lower decks equivalent 
of Khan Noonien Singh. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like the wrath of Peanut Hamper. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, <laughs> I want that on the t shirt. I think that'd be amazing. Well, and it's, you, you, you start building your own, like, cache of villains. You know, it's mm-hmm. all Star Trek, but, like, right. lore doesn't show up in Voyager. Lore doesn't show up on Deep Space Nine. He's, he's strictly, like, a TNG villain. There are, of course, you know, some that... It's like it's like comic play. books. It's right, like, oh right. man, this is a Fantastic Four villain, but here he is in this Daredevil book. This is weird. You yeah. have a rogues like... gallery. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Lower Decks has that good rogues gallery. I think they're really building that up. Because oh, the pack lid could always come back. Badgie could mm-hmm. come back. Uh, there's plenty of, you know, any of those aliens that were... Um, uh, berated on the recruiting trip could come back. There, there's lots mm-hmm. of things that could, <laughs> could happen. There, Just, there is a lovely moment towards the end of No Small Parts where Mariner and Freeman are are in her ready room at the end of the episode, and Freeman's like, "How could we have missed that the Packlets were kind of getting their shit together, and like all these things are happening?" And Mariner makes the comment like. It's wild that, you know, the Federation and Starfleet are so blind to the fact they just expect everything to stay the same. They expect, you know, a generation to pass and for there to be nothing for them to deal with once they've dealt with the first stage of an issue. Right. And that, you know, these these people and these cultures and these characters, they they evolve and change outside of what we see and what we experience directly. So there's like this this little bit of like object permanence issue that, you know, Starfleet has because they they observe, they observe, and then stuff changes and then they have a shit show on their hands. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it really relates to what we see towards the end of this episode where it's like, well, yeah, like some things change and evolve, but then some stuff stays the same. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, Caitlin, you kind of hit the nail on the head there because the opening of Peanut Hamper's debut in season, in, in no small parts, the season finale, they go to Beta 3 and they have their encounter with Landru. Mm. Right. The, right. The, the evil supercomputer. Yeah, and they've yeah, gone right. back to worshipping Landru. So, like they, like you said, like the Starfleet expects everything to, once the problem is fixed and you know the enterprise sails off into the stars there's no problems but right yeah this is just this, yeah that's a that's a great point yeah Perfect. and an evil supercomputer so, oh, i think it comes back Andrew, i think they're me. all coming back <laughs> i think they're all coming back like that that room in the daystrom institute is just mm-hmm. gonna get Somebody's going to show up and steal them all. And... Yeah, why would you put all of them in the same place? And speaking of... Uh, and it's spe- the raft from Marvel. Yeah. Like, you put all... The, oh, the, there's a breakout at Arkham. No shit, you think? Like... Because my thinking is that, I mean, if we, if we could get Brent Spiner on this show to play lore, like, there's a breakout <laughs> attempt at the Daystrom Institute, and, like, the Agamus and, yes. and Peanut Hamper reactivate lore, and so you have lore... <laughs> Maybe that's how he comes oh, back. Oh, that could be how he comes back. Like, like, that's how he escapes. Lore was like, I, I don't that's, know. I, yeah. they gotta, that's the dream. I, that, I thought yeah. Lore that's the dream. That's was what... on the goddamn ship when it exploded. No, they disassembled him. We... Lore was disassembled they, they... and thrown yeah. to the yeah, stars. Yeah, they took him apart. But mm. I am totally believing now that Peanut Hamper and Jeffrey Coombs reassemble him. That's the way it's going to be. Oh, that's that's, that's, that's going to be my head can't. <laughs> My head cannon yep. until Picard season three yep. proves me. That is exactly yes. how it happened. Oh 
definitely looking forward to it. I think that about wraps it up on a mathematically perfect redemption, which it really wasn't a redemption <laughs> at all. Horny space sex with with birds and robots Bird people. People. It's so it's great. It's perfect. I I love it. I love that they took the big swing. I think I when the bird people showed up, I just looked at you and I said, "What in the guardians of Kahul is this bullshit?" <laughs> you did say that. Those were the exact words. Uh, delightful. And that oh man, just to to swing back to the horniness before we wrap things up. <laughs> I mean, that if... first one when. They like hook up like at mm. the the Mystic Waterfalls or whatever. It's filmed like an eighties porno, right? Like I they mean, frame him like you see his like, O face. I'm, I'm the repair man, like mm. you know, like oh. it, it feels oh, cheesy boy. and, and mm. gross and grimy, right? It reminded but, me a lot of like Venture Brothers, honestly. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that was the vibe. Is that like because the subversion was so deep and because it wasn't our normal cast of characters, right? You could get it away was, with it. Yeah, you could get away with just doing weird stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was great. I I loved it. Uh, so that about wraps it up. Stacy, do you have any closing thoughts on on these two episodes? No small parts and mathematically perfect redemption. Look, I'm not I'm not telling you to engage in any kind of um, any kind of activities that might be deemed illegal in your region. But if you could enjoy this episode with, say, an herbal cigarette. <laughs> I think you would have an extra good time. Good time. <laughs> Plenty of yeah. chips too. Mm. I I yeah, that sounds mm. accurate. Mm. <laughs> Caitlin, any closing thoughts on these two episodes? You know, I'm just happy they were able to do something on a planet. A lot of lower decks gets like contained to the ship, and um, you know, Cali class, beautiful as it is. Um, it's, it's usually that or the holodeck. Uh, so it's always fun when we get to see a planet and we know that because it's not shot on a physical set, we don't have to use the DS9 cave or, you know, the Voyager, the one Voyager set they had, um, or Joshua Tree. So like, it's always fun to see if we can like, you know, do something a little different for what the planet looks like. And I I think, you know, they had fun with that. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Forrest, any closing thoughts on these two episodes? That name really is mathematically perfect, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Peanut Hamper is a good name. It's the perfect name for an actor to say with with intensity Mm. because it takes it to a level of ridiculousness. Imagine, Mm. imagine Sir Patrick Stewart saying Peanut Hamper. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? The when they uh, come, 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 enter, friend. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, come, like Gregor, like, come. come. And you know, if if Peanut Hamper and Jeffrey Combs were the really the ones that uh, set lore loose, then mm-hmm. oh man, mm-hmm. we might, we might be able to hear Patrick Stewart say, Peanut Hamper, Peanut Hamper, Peanut Hamper. What the blazes is that? Ragamuffin, <laughs> scoundrel. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. This is this is two weeks in a row, which is very rare for us. Gear because next week we will be covering the the yes. second uh, holodeck extravaganza, um, Crisis Point Two colon Paradoxus, uh, which is the sequel to Crisis Point, which. <laughs> was the one where Mariner avoided going to therapy by doing, like, 
EMDR on extreme mode. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, that was a good one for sure. Mm. So that's next week's episode of Lower Decks, which will be out this Thursday. So next Thursday we'll have another episode coming for you. Uh, talking about holodecks and why they might be good for your health. We should keep the safety protocols on. Oh, oh definitely. Always on. keep always. the safety protocols on. Only Absolutely. Tana and Shax can turn them off. Um, it's a different kind of therapy. <laughs> different kind it's a of different therapy. kind of therapy for the sure. The show is oh. really horny on Maine, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How do you guys think Tahana lost her tail? I, I shudder to think. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for listening, and until next week, to be continued.